1: We want to tell you about something new that we're really, really excited about. It's Live Big Magazine. Live Big Magazine is a free quarterly magazine featuring premium articles from Derek Greer and other expert contributors. It's all designed to help you live bigger in key areas of your life such as faith, business, mental health, parenting, and a whole lot more. The good news is that it's absolutely free with no strings attached. We'll even pay for shipping. All you have to do is go to DerekGreer.com slash magazine. That's DerekGreer.com slash magazine to claim your free subscription today. Military
0: and Federal Employees. Consider Grace Church for your tax-deductible CFC donations. Grace is passionate about meeting the needs of people near and far. Every year, we provide over 13 tons of food to thousands of local families through our weekly Bag of Hope emergency food services and school supplies, gifts, and other essentials to children who may otherwise go without. We also serve the spiritually hungry and hurting through outreach, streaming services, and the Live Big broadcast. People fighting suicide or simply needing answers let us know that the strong teaching gives them life-changing hope that draws them to Christ. So tomorrow can be bigger. Just grow, let the world overflow yeah. Give a life bigger than yourself. You're created for greatness. Give a life bigger than
2: yourself. Big, big. Welcome to Live Big with Bishop Derek Reard. Pastor of Grace Church in Dumfries, Virginia. Visit gracechurchva.org for this message and to find out more about how you can grow in Christ. We serve a big God and we believe that his word calls for us to live big. So our prayer is that this broadcast empowers you to live a life so big that it blesses everyone and everything around you. Let's get into the teaching.
1: Luke chapter 13, beginning with the 10th verse, Father, we thank you. For what you accomplish in these proceedings, Father, speak to us, God. Uh, open our hearts. Cause us to leave here different than we came. And we'll give you all the glory and all the honor. And the church says, Amen. Amen. Verse 10, now he was teaching in one of the synagogues. This was before they kicked Jesus out. Later you'll find him teaching in houses and desert places. And, and, and the reality was, the religious leaders had been in conflict with Jesus for, for months about the true meaning of the Sabbath. And, uh, you know, wh- wherever he, he went, you kind of feel it. People had chosen sides, and it was kind of the unspoken tension, again, wherever he went. He was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. This is the day that he always had trouble. The other days of the week, it was okay, but the Sabbath day, again, was a day of trouble. And behold, there was a woman who had a disabling spirit for 18 years. She had attended church for 18 years, but she still had an unresolved problem in her life. Attending church is not always the same as meeting Jesus. The NIV says it this way. She was crippled by a spirit. If you see crippled fruit, you can trace it to a demonic root. That's what the Bible's teaching. Satan always has a crippling effect on the human personality, the human body, the human psyche. She had a genuine physical problem. I mean, you could take her to any doctor anyway, and they probably, you know, take the x-ray, say, okay, your spine's fused together, and and this is the reason. They probably had a long Latin name for, for her issue. She had a genuine problem. It was physical. It was measurable. People could observe it. People could diagnose it. But what she didn't understand was that this problem had a spiritual root. And, you know, as much as, as, as we love doctors, appreciate doctors, doctors can only take you as far as they can go. And in a moment, we, we're going to talk about it. Let's keep going. Verse 11, it says she was what? Bent over. She had a condition of the spine. She was unable to stand up for anything like some Christians I know, right? Can I asked the last service to pray for me so I wouldn't act this way? It's already started. But she was bent over. She walked with her head down everywhere she went. Bent over, bowed by life, her circumstances, her condition. All she did every day was walk with her head down. Scripture says she was bent over and could not fully straighten herself ever try to straighten yourself out only to find yourself bent back over again you went to the doctor you went to the psychiatrist I mean you you went to the specialist and 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 they gave you some pills they laid you on the couch and and you know they they don't mean any harm but 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 here's here's the deal you cannot medicate a demon out of a person you cannot counsel a demon out of a person A lot of people want to spend hours in my office talking about stuff that, you know. The only thing when you're dealing with such deep-rooted issues, the only thing that can bring real freedom is the power of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes you don't need a three-point message. You don't need four principles. You need the power of God in your life to go down to the root of that issue and begin to pull it up. She was bent over and could not fully straighten herself. 18 years, again, attending church, no results, no change. And when Jesus saw her, now, he was watching everybody in the room, but but this woman's issue was so pronounced, he could not just let it pass. He could not, now typically people cried out to him, but in this case, he called over to the woman. And he, he, he said to her, and let, let me say, say something to you. One of the problems, you know, I, I, I travel a lot. I see a lot of different things in the church. And sometimes, you know, we, we pray for the sick here as well, and, and we have lines. But what I've discovered across the nation and around the world is that there are many people crying out for healing. I mean, they're in healing lines waiting for the healing evangelist, you know, wanting to throw the jacket, breathe and blow on them and, and, and all that stuff. But the truth is, they don't need a healing. They need deliverance. And sometimes we attack our issues too superficially. And because of it, there's no lasting change. Yeah, you fall on the carpet, but you get up just as broke as you were before you fell down. I told him to pray for me in this last service. Well, he called her over, and he said to her, woman, you are freed. If you're a student of the Bible, this is unusual. Jesus typically spoke to the spirit, and he said, "Come out." But, but here we're going to kind of see things a little bit bit, bit differently. It's kind of kind of more of a forensic approach to what's happening. He did not speak to the demon. He first spoke to the woman. He said, "Woman." You are freed. You see, Jesus knew if the woman got free on the inside, it would eventually show up on the outside. But the real issue, what was going on inside of the woman, so he addressed the woman. And here's the truth I know. Can't nobody ride your back lest you bend over. So Jesus does not first address the spirit. He addresses the lady. And he said, woman, you are when you finally discover who you are. You hear what I'm saying? When you discover what and who God created you to be, the devil's reign is just about to be broken. You're just moments from change. You know, Satan is a lot like an airplane. He can't just land anywhere. He has to have a landing strip. And it's not always what happened in your life that caused you that problem. It was your response when that terrible thing. And that's why psychologists and, and they're right. They'll talk about, you know, this this, this personality trait, this issue in your life is is, is based on, you know, this tragic event that that happened. But really the deal is it wasn't the event. It was your response to the event. In your moment of pain, in your moment of vulnerability, the devil's a mean devil. In your moment of weakness and hurt, he got in your ear and he began to whisper, And you begin to give mouth to his words. You begin to think his thoughts. And when you start agreeing with him, it just opens the door. And before long, he moves on in. You hear what I'm saying? But what he does, he waits for that vulnerable moment in your life. And then he tells you a lie, and then you buy the lie. And when you buy the lie, you slam door the, the, the cell of your life. You are now in prison with the being that hates you. He's your personal friend, your confidant, and the one that whispers to you in the night. This woman did not just have an illness, she had a spirit. And just like a plane that can't land, if you don't take hold of the thought, the idea, whatever it is, in word, deed, or action, the plan can only circle above head but can't land. So devils can buzz around, but Jesus, he was buzzing, remember But he resisted him three times in that wilderness so Satan could never, ever land. Matter of fact, when he went to the cross, he said, you know, the the, the prince of this world has come and he has found nothing in me. He has never found a place to land. He's never found an inroad. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That's why speech, thought, and behavior matters. Because when we let deeds of darkness in, we let the prince of darkness trail in right behind you. You hear what I'm saying? They become a landing pad for those spirits that mean us no good. Jesus looked at her, and he said, woman, you are freed, not woman, you will be freed. He, he, he didn't say, you know what, in five months, three days, you know, in six years, if you really work at this, Jesus came with a right now word to deal with a with woman's very, very real situation, and he looked her in the face, and he said, woman, thou art loosed, or freed from your disability, lady, God did not create you for you to drag your knuckles along the ground as you walk. Lady, this was not God's purpose for you. And when we realize it, it's not God but the devil that put us in our prisons. It's not God but the devil that's tormenting us, condemning us, beating us down. When we finally come to the realization it's not God's fault but the devil's access to our lives that has created the set of circumstances that are almost destroying us. It's in those moments when it finally dawns on us that we can get free. Galatians 5 and 1 says this, For freedom, Christ has set us what? Free. Jesus didn't come to give you more burdens. He said, My yoke is what? Easy. My burden is light. He came to to, to liberate us. So, you know, this woman, you know, she had a spinal issue. I don't know what your issue is. But the reality is, whatever got you bent over in life, Jesus came to set you free. And he could do it with a word if you receive the word of God. Does that make sense to you? For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore. What is he telling you to do? Stand up? Literally? Physically? No, no, no. He's talking about our need to stand up on the inside. You see, you stand up on the inside, you can then stand up on the outside. The problem is, this woman wasn't yet standing up on the inside, so she could not break hold or break free, better put, of what she was experiencing. He said, And do not what? Submit. Now, this is important because what he's saying here is even though Christ has come to set you free, if you submit to the wrong thing, you can find yourself back in bondage. And do not succumb, don't yield in attitude, mind, or deed. Again to the yoke of what? Slavery. Don't, don't go back to that that, that that weak, defeatist, negative mindset. Change your mind, change your life. That's just the truth I know. Change your mind, change your what? This woman had to, to, to make that change on the inside. There was an evangelist in, in Houston and uh, it was a really successful church there and uh, they had all types of evangelists come from all over the nation to, to visit the church. And... Um, the pastor's wife had glasses, you know, like Coke bottles. I mean, it, it, they're very, very noticeable, and, and you, you couldn't see her face for, for the huge glasses. And um, she would have, you know, all these evangelists come in, and everybody would pray for her. And she never got better. She never got healed. And she finally got a little tired of it, and she was tired of being called up front, tired of the embarrassment. She felt a little defeated. You know, God, you know, uh, it's just, obviously it's just not working for me. And one day, you know, another evangelist came, and, and when he came to the church, he, he noticed that whenever he came into a room, she walked out of the room, and she was just trying to avoid this evangelist, period. And, and the reality was, she didn't want anyone else to try to pray for her eyes, talk to her about her eyes. She just said, you know, I'm going to accept this thing. It's just the way it is, and that was the case. Finally, the evangelist cornered her, and he asked her, do, do you want to see? And she responded, uh, yeah, I, I, I want to see. And she wanted to say more, but but he stopped her. And he said, close your eyes. She closed her eyes. And he said, can you see? She said, no, I can't see. My eyes are closed. So she opened her eyes. Close your eyes. Can you see? She said, no, my eyes are closed. I can't see. She opened her eyes. He said, close your eyes. Now can you see? And it clicked. She understood what he was saying. And for the first time with her eyes closed, she could see herself on the inside seeing. And when she saw herself seeing on the inside, the power of God hit that woman. And she, now she still had glasses on her eyes. Everything was blurry because God gave her back her sight. But here's the point. She had the first seat on the inside. See, what we're doing is we're waiting for someone great to kind of rub their hand on, you know, just wave the magic wand and make everything all right. But Jesus said, be it unto you according to your faith. Be it unto you according to the picture you have on the inside. The issue was this woman was not just crippled on the outside. She was crippled on the inside. So Jesus had to speak to the heart of the issue, the core of the issue. He had to speak to the woman before she could speak to the problem. You catch it? He said, woman, you are freed from your disability. God intended each of us to have mobility. He intended each of us to have ability. But instead, like disabled cars, we're on the side of the road watching other people pass us by. But the issue is not that our car broke down. The real issue is we broke down somewhere on the journey. And if we're going to get back in our lane, if we're going to get back into the flow of traffic, we're going to have to let God heal us his way. This whole narrative is forensic. Like It's explaining... You know, a lot of times he didn't have to do all this. He's, he's God. He does his thing. But he wanted to, 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 to explain some things and show some things to us. So he said, woman, you are what? Freed from your what? Disability. You see, how you see yourself will determine what you make of yourself. If you think you're an idiot, guess what you're going to be? This woman, the, the, the real challenge... Listen, nothing wrong with these these evangelists. It's all good. But you don't need an evangelist. If Christ is in you, you can lay hands on yourself. When you get the right picture, you hear what I'm saying? You don't need a great name. You don't need to get on my schedule. You hear what I'm saying? Christ is a present help in time of trouble. I'm not always present. You can't always get to me, but you can get to him. But no, no, we're waiting for someone great to show up and fix us. Jesus said, no, no, woman, you need to know that you're free when you know who you are and who you belong to. Matter of fact, I'm getting ahead of myself. Keep keep going. Then he laid what? Hands on her. He first spoke to the heart before he touched her with his hand, and this is the way God is. And and he laid his hands, and what? Immediately. When? Immediately. When you get the picture on your side and you know that you know that you know. Many of you, I told the story of when I had that palinatal cyst, went on for years, had numerous surgeries, didn't go anywhere. But it's funny, when I close my eyes and worship God, I see myself sitting on a rock. And at first, I, I'd cringe. I'd be like, oh, I can never do that. Oh, that's, that's good. But before long, I began to see it. And then finally, there were some other things that happened, and we're just going to compress it here. But after I saw it, that's when it happened. So healing is, again, not something that comes from the outside. It's something that comes up from the inside. You got to see it Hallelujah. And when you see it. That's when it makes itself available. Remember, God's a God of the heart, and he's looking at the heart. And When you get the heart right, the vision right, things shift, things change. It says, and he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight. When freedom finally gets down in your heart, things are about to straighten out. But you've got to get that freedom in your heart. Saints, I can't fix you every Sunday. I'm not your doctor. God is the fixer. God will use me for peace, use another person for peace. Then you pick up another book for peace. He might even take you to the Bible itself for peace. I got a peace. We prophesy in part. We know in part. But fullness is God himself. Do do you hear what I'm saying? You got to get the picture. You got to see yourself doing what you're supposed to. I remember when I I, I gave my life to the Lord years ago, I didn't like the church, didn't like church people. They looked funny, dressed funny, acted funny, said funny things. And I didn't want to be a part of the church. But I met this Jesus and he was real. And I remember um, it was an afternoon. I uh, got in my car and I felt like I should go to... And by the way, God doesn't always speak to me like this. And, you know, but, but this is what happened this day. And I went to Baltimore Harbor. And Baltimore Harbor was the place I had my first date when I came to, to, to Howard in, in, in the 80s. And, um, you know, I, I always remembered it for that. And... Um, I went there, and I had a suit on, which was kind of weird. And It's just like a strange day. And I got down there, and, and, and it was noontime, and Phillips was full, and the people sitting outside and all the rest. And I felt like the Lord said to me, I want you to take your Bible and walk around that building seven times. I was like, you've got to be kidding. I'm not going to walk around here with a Bible in my hand. What am I going to look like? But You know, when it's the Lord, it keeps sticking, I'm like, nah, i done lost my mind, I'm going to go crazy. I'm going to walk around this thing seven times with a Bible. What, I'm expecting the building to fall down? What, what am I doing? I said, all right, I'll, I'll do it. So I took my Bible, and I'm walking around the building. The first time, just a guy walking around with a Bible in his hand. The second, third time, people looking up for their meals. What you doing? <laughs> I'm sitting there thinking the same thing. I don't know what I'm doing. You see, what had to happen to me, I had to change my identity. I, see, I, I don't want to be one of them Christians. I, they ain't got no, no swag. They ain't got nothing. I just, man, they, they no. That's not who I am. And I was more comfortable in other places. And I just, just messed up my life not doing that. When I got to the sixth or seventh time, it was interesting. My picture on the inside changed. I began to see myself as a man of the word. I, 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 you know, I, I used to see myself one way, and I remember how I came there the first time. But by the time I hit that seventh time, the image of me changed. And by that time, I didn't care what anybody had to say. And, and after that moment, you know, I, I was able to hold my Bible. I wasn't ashamed and, and all the rest. So, so I, I take my Bible. I'm telling you, I'm, I'm a student in school. I go into the punch out where, where if y'all remember Prince, um, what was that song? Uh, I'm not going to mess with the song. But, you know, the, the beer is flowing and all the rest. But I sit there right there. they drinking a the beer, and me opening the Bible, sharing Scripture. And what was interesting, nobody put me down. Nobody, we had conversations and all the rest, but I had to accept me. And as long as I wasn't at peace with who I was, nobody else was going to be at peace with me either. You hear what I'm saying? But, but he had to change my image of me. And he kind of had that little exercise. You know, I guess as I did my part, then he did his part. But the change happens on the inside. And when, when, when you make that change on the inside, the outside will follow. Are we still with me? But here's the contrast. We're going to make a turn, and then we're going to be finished. Now, the once bond lady, when she was made straight, she glorified God. And, you know, when, when God does something genuine and personal in your life, you have a shout, you have a dance that other folk can't quite figure out. It's real to you. Nobody has to force you, no one has to prompt you. Even if they're off up here, you still worship and praising God because it's personal. You hear what I'm saying? But here's the contrast: you had this woman. She's praising God. But on the other side, you have this pastor who should have been leading the entire synagogue in the worship of God. He's over there finding fault. He's over there angry and upset. Watch this. But the ruler of the synagogue, indignant. Now, here's the deal. Grace will always make legalistic people angry. The grace of God will always make religious people mad. Some of the meanest people you ever going to meet are people with long dresses, big hats. Nothing wrong with big hats. <laughs> Nothing wrong with it. But religious folk, you know, one of the reasons why religious folk are that way is because they feel God's on their side. But The reality is God so loved the world. Okay. Yeah. But the ruler of the synagogue was indignant. His congregation member for 18 years had been bound, bent over, in church, never got mad at that situation. Never got mad at that. Matter of fact, every Sunday they, they, they probably sang hymns together. Yeah, I'm all bent over, broke up and bent down. And that's the type of hymns they sang. It was the type
2: of church they went to. This is the Live Big Broadcast with Derek Greer. We pray that you are inspired to think big, do big, and live big. Our goal is to compel you to live in a way that overflows and blesses those around you. We invite you to meet us online for vibrant worship and strong Bible teaching each Sunday and Wednesday on social media or gracechurchva.org. You can also tune in to the Live Big broadcast on television. So check your local TV listings or visit gracechurchva.org for the broadcast schedule. That's all the time we have. But until next time, remember, you have what it takes in Christ to live
1: big. Hi, this is Derek Greer. I want to tell you about something new that I'm really excited about. It's Live Big Magazine, a free quarterly magazine featuring premium articles from myself and other expert contributors that help you live big in key areas of your life, such as faith faith business, mental health, parenting, and a whole lot more. The good news is that it's absolutely free with no strings attached. I'll even pay for shipping. All you have to do is go to DerekGreer.com slash magazine. That's DerekGreer.com slash magazine to claim your free subscription today.